Hey friends, today I'm having a conversation with Thomas Linger, the jazz pianist and composer who's one of the finalists for the American Pianist Association Jazz Competition. Let's get right into it. Welcome back to Michael Loves Indie. If you've listened to this show before, you know that there's something that happens every four years, which is one of the most exciting things that I and many others get to experience. Is it the Olympics? No. Is it the World Cup? No. It is the American Pianist Association Jazz Competition and, of course, the Classical Piano Competition, each of which happen every four years. And this week, as I record this, marks the beginning of Discovery Week, the final week in the jazz piano competition where all five finalists for our APA jazz will be in Indianapolis performing in multiple venues. And I'm honored to get to interview the fourth of five finalists I've been able to talk to. Today we're talking with Thomas Linger, a brilliant New York-based pianist and composer who's one of our finalists. He originally hails from Waynesville, North Carolina, graduated with degree in piano performance from University of North Carolina Greensboro in 2015. You can see him around New York performing in the, uh, you know, prestigious venues like the Village Vanguard, uh, Dizzy's Club, Jazz at Lincoln Center, and many more. In addition to competing in our APA competition over the past year, he put out a great album in August of 2022 called Out In It. So you can look up Thomas Linger, L-I-N-G-E-R, Out In It. It's a great record featuring many of Thomas's original compositions. We talk a little bit about that. And there are tickets available for some of our American Pianist Association Discovery Week performances where you can see the five finalists. So please check out AmericanPianists.org for tickets if you're here or traveling to Indianapolis. Hope you enjoy this interview with Thomas. He's a very thoughtful, humble, soft-spoken person, but you can really feel the the passion and just total commitment that he has to playing music with others. Um, anyway, I, I was really inspired by the conversation, and I hope you will be as well. So here's a conversation with APA finalist Thomas Linger. Thomas Linger, thank you so much for taking the time. Um, this is a, I mean, I know you're an incredibly busy artist, but these next two weeks, um, I think particularly, right? Yeah, for sure. So um, when, I mean, and, and I don't expect you to have your itinerary right in front of you, but do you know when you'll be in uh, Indianapolis? Yeah, flying in Monday and got a full week of rehearsals and community concert, probably some interviews and uh, yeah, then the show's on the weekend, so it's a full week. I'm looking forward to it. For hundreds, if not of us, if not low thousands of us, this is like it's like the World Cup of jazz piano. Like I can't tell you yeah. how excited people are um, to to have you all here and to see you in different uh, in different settings. Um, we'll get we'll get in a minute. We'll get into your um, life story, but um, I do want to ask you just what's what's your what's your mindset right now? You know, as you look ahead to the next couple of weeks, um, 
just excited, really, one word. Um, I'm just so grateful for this organization for putting on such an amazing production and reaching out to us young musicians and just offering such an amazing opportunity. So, um, yeah. Well, we're lucky culminating. I'm just excited to do it. So we're we're lucky. We're lucky to have you and the other four artists. Um, you know, it's like the, the, the desire of us, um, those of us fans of APA, we, we, we hope it's such a great experience that in 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, you're like, Indy is my second home. So we hope that we hope it'll be that kind of a welcome. So, um, so you're from Waynesville, North Carolina. Is that right? Mm -hmm. That's right. And, um, and I know that you, um, studied music at UNC Greensboro, but let me go back even further. Cause I I've asked, you know, all of the finalists, I know I kind of where, in your life were the, were the seeds planted that might have, um, you know, predicted that you would be an artist and or a, a musician? Yeah. Um, somewhere really early on, the seeds were just there, I think. Um, we had a piano in the house. We, I had musical brothers as well, and there was just uh, curiosity just grabbed me from an early age. I, I was the youngest of the yeah, there's three of us sons and um so i heard them you know they were taking piano lessons and my other brother's a drummer and i heard them and i was just eager to try and emulate what i was hearing so um yeah just the household i i was always just thrilled by music and then we kind of had several instruments around the house so i dabbled in all sorts of things bass guitar drums picked up the bassoon and high school band or middle school band actually. And so, yeah, it was always just fun experimenting different instruments and jamming. In my experience, you have to have, uh, um, parents who also encourage or tolerate the experimentation. Is that, is that yeah. right? Like a, like a, a, a space, a space where you've, I'm picturing a space where you and your brothers feel comfortable picking up different instruments. Is that? Yeah. Yep. And just, uh, very encouraging and always never being afraid to buy some silly, you know, toy accordion or a kalimba or just, you know, the next thing. <laughs> yeah. Was it, was it, um, did you get the jazz bug pretty early on or was it, you know, pop music or classical music or church music or something that, that, um, that stuck early on? Yeah, I was, it was not really jazz too early on. I mean, I did hear it was in the mix of things I was hearing but it was kind of funny. I heard a lot of pop, a lot of classical. The first Miles Davis I heard was like live in, I think, 89 or live around the world. It's an amazing album, but it's totally electric and funky, you know. So that yeah. was my idea of Miles Davis for many years. Yeah. With was that, would, it, would that have been like the Marcus Miller uh, yeah. collaborations? Yeah, yeah. It's an incredible it's like, album. But, you know, that's yeah. like a, the final, <laughs> final era of Miles course um yeah was there did did one of your brothers or one of your parents early on say was there sort of a hey you're really good or you really have a talent for this yeah um i think my piano teacher definitely recognized it early on i was always an improviser and uh you know composer really from the beginning that was i was not the most uh disciplined piano student in terms of the rep they were telling me to do but they they recognized my gifts and always encouraged me and yeah that's great because not not everybody who excels at piano develops confidence improvising 
and, and composing. So was that, mm-hmm. was that a curiosity thing that was always there? Do you think for you? Yeah. I think that's just part of my personality. Uh, I just, uh, it was kind of a way to decompress at home. You know, you get yeah. home from a long, I would just sit at the piano, maybe three minutes and it'd be a new little song and then just go on to the next thing. Maybe pick up the bass guitar for a few minutes after that. Yeah. So, is yeah. there, is there a, is there a song that stands out or a, a, a piece, you know? Even, yeah. I mean, yeah. My, my family always kind of, it's like a continuing joke. I had these really silly titles and then I would have a number afterwards because every time I would play it, it would be a little different. I think one of them was Crumbly Woods. <laughs> so they'd say, hey, let's hear Crumbly Woods 10. Because <laughs> that would different be the 10th iteration of it. Yeah. Yeah. That's fantastic. So you just, you'd, you'd give them, you'd, so you'd make your own compositions and just give them, you know, these titles that just reminded you of the. Yeah. So that's great. Yeah. That's great. So was there, was there somebody in your life that was sort of modeling that like, Hey, you can, this, this could be a, this could be a vocation for you. This could actually be a career for you. Was there, did you have, did you have any, like in your family influence or um, anybody like that who sort of um, inspired you? Um, kind of strangely, not really. Okay. Because, um, Waynesville was a little bit musically secluded for me. Yeah. Um, I played in the church band. Other than that, you know, I never went to, I mean, sometimes they would take me to Asheville, which was the nearby town. I would, I could see some, you know, touring jazz artists or something. Yeah. But yeah, I was even, I was even serious about the bassoon for a little, I wouldn't say serious is actually an overstatement. I was considering the bassoon as my main instrument. I actually went to the school of the arts for my senior year of high school. That's a really unique high school slash college um, school that you can go to. So I was, I knew it was music and I felt that strongly, but I'd never, you know, I was actually kind of late to hearing jazz. I was late to realizing that a career in jazz was the perfect fit for me. So that came later. Yeah. Um, I, I grew up in a small town in central Southern Illinois, so I can relate to the, like I, I, you know, some, some other, um, uh, of the finalists and people have gone through this, you know, previous years, you know, jazz house kids influence and things like that. But, you Mm -hmm. know, I didn't grow up with anything like that. So where, where was your first experience as a young person of being around other musicians who really inspired you? Is that something that came really in your college years or would? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Freshman year of college was just a great year because I finally felt, you know, I was meeting all these people that were new to it and inspired just like me. And we would just jam in the practice room. So that was the first time I could really just jam every night until they kicked us out at midnight or, Sometimes you try and hide in the corner of the practice rooms. <laughs> was that was there was that partly an unsettling experience? Because I know for I can I know from from if you're used to being the best um, musician or say best athlete, you know, what I mean, in your peer group, and now you're you know in a bigger pond. You know, was that was it was it was it, was it was it at all a little bit um, jarring for you, or was it just like yeah, this is great? No, it was just great because. Honestly, I didn't, I didn't feel like I was in a pond at all before that kind of sadly. I mean, I just, I was not, 
I was never playing piano with other people. Interesting. I was playing bass guitar in the church band, but socially, the piano was like always just at home. Cool. You know, kind of. Yeah. It was kind of sad to not really grow up jamming with lots of people. Yeah. And yet you, because now I've I've seen you play several times. You know, you seem like you're a very grounded person. So I'm going to make an assumption that like there was something about your upbringing that made you, um, you know, a person who's generous and and you know able to collaborate with other people. Is that a fair assumption? Oh, thank you for saying that. Um, yeah, I guess just a, a great family, very supporting upbringing. And, yeah. yeah. Did did they did they get it once you? Um, made the decision that you wanted to pursue this as your life's work? Yeah. I think they, they said, sounds great. Sounds more fun than bassoon. And yeah. I agreed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no I offense it. to the great bassoon is no. out there. It is. Yeah. I mean, that's the first thing that comes to my mind. I mean, the world needs great bassoon players, but you know, the, the piano being very much an arranger's instrument, uh-huh. you know, and an improviser and like, yeah, just a funny anecdote. I remember being in band class and uh, holding those double whole notes on the bassoon and just air leaking out the corner of my mouth. Just, <laughs> just, and yeah, just physical things like that. Like yeah. the bassoon is just so unforgiving. It's a yeah. beautiful sound, but I'm I'm happy to let other professionals handle that. <laughs> okay, so I'm 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 dying I'm dying to know. So okay, no. I know I love I don't know who made up the phrase talking about music is like dancing about architecture so it's hard you know it's hard to find a lot of times the the words to express these ideas but anyway this this year with this group of finalists it's so it's so interesting because you're all brilliant artists but you're all so different and if I'm thinking mm-hmm. about Thomas Linger now having seen you perform a number of times you know you're a prolific composer and I want, and we're going to talk about the new record because it's fantastic. But you know, songs that I've heard you play, "Lovely Encounter" stands out, "Mercurial Behemoth" stands out. But I know you're pro- you're a very prolific composer. But it also, you know, the compositions that I've heard could also be standards. You know, so clearly, um, when when I hear you play and I hear you play your original compositions, I hear someone that's paid a lot of attention to. Um, standard tunes, you know, both, um, both the, the, you know, the, the Cole Porter songs that we all love and then modern, you know, songs that have become modern standards. So mm-hmm. I know that, I know that's a long question, but can you, can you give us a little bit of a peek behind the curtain? I mean, is that, is that a, am I, is that a fair assumption on my part that, that you're, you seem like you're someone who really studies um, uh, songwriting? Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Um for sure. Um, I would say, yeah, learning songs. I've always just placed a lot of importance on that. And I knew that sometimes it'd be a tune that no one has talked to you about yet. But I just I have a feel I, when I was in college, I said I recognized that that was something that was going to lay a very strong foundation and prepare me for, you know, wherever this career might take me. And um, since I've been in New York, you know, I, I've been able to hear just countless amazing shows that's just the best thing about being here and i i always like to be have that feeling in the audience the i know they start a new tune like okay cool i know that tune i know okay i see what key they're in yeah i like that feeling of preparedness and that's definitely uh yeah influenced my writing and my programming and just how i like to 
was that was that underway yeah. already in 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 university the this sort of because i i guess you know did did you you know by the time you graduated was it like you got a thousand a thousand songs or maybe more you know maybe thousands uh in there already or um uh how did how did how did that develop between you know uh college and then being in new york um I don't know if I quite had that many at that time, but I definitely, you know, I recognize that some people certainly do. Yeah. Uh, and that that's a, a great goal. But I started, you know, working professionally. I think I was 19. So maybe I did one year of just being very green at college and then people were calling me for gigs. So I have a full schedule after a few years, you know, still finishing my degree, but working. And then that's when you're really learning the tunes might be accompanying vocalists, changing the keys, all sorts of things that just continue to develop. Were those regional gigs in North Carolina or are you flying you flying places in some cases? Those were regional, yeah. A lot of driving. Yeah. Keyboards, you yeah. know. <laughs> did you have well did you have a um a go to eighty eight key kind of road warrior that you'd take with you? I still use the exact same one, a Roland FP four. Beautiful. I don't know how it's held up, but it's, yeah, yeah. it's done great. That's fantastic. Um, so, um, was there, you know, you're so you're you're in college. You're around these amazing musicians. You know, you're growing. You're learning tunes. You're composing all those things. Um, what what was was the plan as soon as that sparked? I'm going to New York, or or were there other paths that you were considering at that time? Uh, that was kind of a tentative plan that seemed like a good idea, but I was I was re- remaining open to see what what was going to happen. I didn't move immediately after graduating. I actually just stayed and worked because I was you know I was working probably six nights a week, a lot of driving to different towns and stuff. But I realized that was still very valuable for me at that point. So I think I did that a year and a half, and then I moved in March 2017. I moved up to New York. Okay. Um, and then, uh, I'm skipping ahead, but I'm just like, you know, I remember, um, when your, uh, out in it album came out, it was late last summer, I think. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I'm looking at who's on the album and it's like Joseph Farnsworth, Peter Bernstein. <laughs> I mean, you know, these are, these are luminaries of our time, you know? So, um, you know, Yasushi Nakamura, who I'm not as, as familiar with, but I mean, I've seen Peter Bernstein and I, this came up in actually a previous interview. I saw Joe Farnsworth the first time, uh, playing in a trio with Cedar Walton, you know, just which is mind blowing. So these are, these, these are luminaries. These are not just, you know, so how, so, um, how, how did you, did you, how did you develop those relationships pretty quickly um you know after moving to new york yeah um peter i actually met in north carolina i was very fortunate um my the director of my jazz studies program steve haynes who's a great bass player and a great guy he brought peter down to do a master class and a record and he asked me to be on the quartet record so that was i think I think that was right before I graduated. So that was an amazing way to meet Peter Bernstein in the rehearsal room. One rehearsal before we went and made a one-day record. So that's, uh, yeah, that's available. It's really, I'm very happy with how that happened. And so Peter was a great contact when I moved to New York. And Joe, I met on a restaurant gig 
which is just, you know, funny restaurant where people are just, you know, some people are there for the music, but not really. Yeah. And it, we just met and played trio. So that's that's what I love about New York is you never know who's going to be on the gig. It might be a hotel lobby or something, but Jeez. it could be with, you know, Cedar Walton's drummer, McCoy Tyner's drummer. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Unbelievable. Um, yeah. Who who um, are there others that, that come to mind who uh, mentored you in making that transition to New York? Um, yeah. Well, the people I played in North played with in North Carolina were great. Steve Haynes, Chad Eby, Brandon Lee's a trumpeter who spent a lot of time in New York. He was teaching down in North Carolina at the time. Yep. And now he's since came back to New York. So yeah, yeah they were all very supportive. He said, just go for it. Cool. Um, yeah. I encourage people. I know a lot of people listening to this will have watched a day in the life of Thomas Linger um, on the American Pianist Association website, which I'd encourage them to watch. But you're, you're a proud resident of Queens, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. And, uh, and, and you also mentioned the video that you're a, you're, you're a night owl. Is that right? Somewhat. Yeah. 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 Um, but, um, but yeah, um, uh, what, what, what's it, what, just walk us through kind of a, a day, you know, or maybe part, you know, parts of your week, um, living in New York, you know, does it, does it allow you to develop somewhat of a, somewhat of a routine? Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I like, I like the daily flow. It's usually, you know, very, uh, starts easy which gives me time to, you know, be at the piano or get groceries or whatever I want to do, take walks. And then, uh, yeah, a gig at night, hopefully. So I would say I'm working pretty much six nights a week, usually somewhere around there. Wow. So I love the lifestyle. You know, you're always, I'm doing my, I'm sharing my gifts. I'm interacting with other talented people and making money, supporting myself, still getting better. So, and a, I'm, I'm going to, I'm, I'm yeah. imagining probably this is, this is some solo gigs, some trio gigs, some playing in bigger yeah. bands, kind of all over the map. Is that right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Great. Um, what, what, what's been, what's been the reception generally to your, um, original compositions and we'll get to the album, the album in a minute, but well, actually I'm, I'm going to ask you, what's that like, especially when you're a young pianist? You're, you you get in you know if you're playing with the Peter Bernstein's Joe Farnsworths of the world what's that what what what's what's that like how do you develop how do you develop the the confidence to start introducing your own originals uh I think you just do it yeah yeah <laughs> you know funny enough on that restaurant gig I think we played Mercurial Behemoth nice. <laughs> For dinner with nice. Joe Farnsworth, sight reading, or oh my gosh. maybe just listening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's fantastic. So, yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so um, I'm 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 following a rough chronology here, but um, uh, did did you know a little bit about American Pianists Association prior to um, uh, submitting an audition recording? Yeah, I think I. I think I submitted to maybe two rounds ago as well when okay. I was in college. I think I was probably 21 or something. Okay. My teacher, John Salmon there. Yep. 
recommended me for it. So okay. yeah, I've, I've been following it for years. That's great. And then did you have any, um, did, did you have any particular hopes or expectations with this round or does it like, does it register as a memory that, Oh, the, the uh, uh, nominations are coming up? Yeah. I am just hopeful to make it. Yeah. Sure. enough. Do, do you remember, do you remember where you were when you got the call or the notification that you were a finalist? Yeah, I was on a, a gig and uh, Joel left me a voicemail because I was playing, but I heard the voicemail. I'm like, oh, that's good. Right. Yeah. <laughs> he didn't say exactly what it was, but you could tell. Right. You And you and Joel share the North Carolina uh, connection too. Yeah. Yeah. That's fantastic. And, um, what what was the reaction? Did, so did were you aware of all of the, all the other four um, finalists? Did you know a little bit about who they were? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. Um, then um, okay. So I'm trying I'm trying to think the chronology. Seeing you guys at Dizzy's, I got to see uh, both sets was amazing. I mean, and I'm imagining this is just part of New York. But <laughs> when I saw you all come out and perform, I'm like, oh my gosh, there's Bill Charlotte. Oh, there's Christian McBride. Oh, there's Fred yeah. Hirsch and more. I mean, there's Emmett Cohen. I mean, I was just right. like mind blowing. I, you know, in my, in my, in my, um, fantastical mind, that's just, that's just, that's every night in New York, you know, when you're playing somewhere, <laughs> but maybe, maybe that's wrong, yeah, but, could be. but yeah, but, um, did you, did you get to talk to some of the, some of the, uh, you know, jazz luminaries who showed up that yeah. night? Yeah. Yeah. They're all super encouraging, sweet people. Yeah. It seems like that. I don't know if that's jazz music and the nature of jazz that it's improvisational and you're all putting your just you know you're putting putting yourself out there. But it it strikes me, and especially with this class, there's a you, there's a genuine love you guys have for each other. You know, collegiality is that yeah is that a thing? What it what is yeah. that for 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 the lay person? What it what is that? Oh uh, yeah, I think it, that's just a character quality that just kind of grows longer you're playing music and yeah yeah just a lot of great people yeah. yeah so um so anyway i know the so the competition obviously commences in may with the dizzy's gig but then you've got an album coming out you know in august of 2022 was that mm-hmm. album already recorded and then being you know mastered and and produced by then yeah okay mm-hmm. Um, when was that when were those sessions recorded for the the out in it album which i'm highly recommending anybody listening to this go get that album thomas linger out in it um oh thank you but yeah when when were those sessions that was almost a year prior okay. summer 2021 okay and then was it just stars lined up this is the right time to do it or is there a backstory in terms of um that, that album uh yeah i think um yeah that was definitely just a you know, we had all gone through COVID and a lot of things were super uncertain. And I just, you know, it was kind of a boiling point of all these songs I had been writing, writing and performing. And it just, I had also been working a little bit with Peter Bernstein, Joe Farnsworth. They called me to play the Vanguard right before COVID. In fact, I was the last show, March 2020. Oh. I mean, that was just a monumental moment in my career, really, to be asked to do that. And then everything stopped for, you know, we all know how long. Yeah. So that was sort of just a, it was definitely the time to put forth that energy and 
how, how did how did you keep your sanity in that in that time now i'm realizing i mean you play to play the village vanguard and then everything comes to a halt yeah uh <laughs> i don't know just trying my best you know yeah yeah keep the keep the good energy going exercise play music yeah call people that yep. kind of thing so the Out In It album, again, which I highly, highly recommend, which features, I think, eight of your originals is that compositions. Is that about right? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, kudos to whoever did the art direction. Maybe that was you because it really has a timeless feel. I mean, it could oh, be yeah. it could be 2023 or it could be 1966 or somewhere uh-huh. in between. It's, it's re- it really uh, you know commendable on the art direction. Who did, who did that? That would have been Ian Hendrickson Smith. Okay. Yeah. So an artist you know? He works for the label that I use. Nice. So, okay. So, um, for those for those sessions, was it just a matter of um, you came in and cut it, you know, in a in a in a day or two? Um, is there is there yeah. a backstory there? One day, we did a quick rehearsal. It was a little bit shortened because uh, Joe had to leave and take care of George Coleman right before they had a gig together. Oh my. Right. That great was George Coleman. Course. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, and I, I knew it would be okay. My tunes are pretty accessible to people, especially of that caliber. You know, there's nothing that's going to trip anyone up too badly. So I yeah. just, you know, when you call those guys, you know, you're in good hands. And it's more just about me delivering. And I, I think I did fine. It's a wonderful record, wonderful sounding record, too. So congratulations. Yeah. And you Thank got great, great, obviously great reviews for it as well. So does, does that does that feel like it's it's the first in a in a series of of um, records you'll be putting out? Yeah, definitely. Okay, yeah, mm-hmm. cool. Um, so yeah, and then um, has so so what's been your general schedule the last year? So here's the thing: like uh, for a lot of us who follow um, the APA competition obsessively. Um, sometimes it's easy to forget that you, that each of you has got a hundred other things going on in that year, you know, as well. Mm -hmm. So in between, you know, album release and premiere series and your various residencies with APA, what are some of the other things that you're working on, um, the past several months? Yeah. Uh, I've been working a lot with my trio, which has been really great. Uh, it's kind of, it's more than just three of us. Sometimes it rotates between different bass and drums but yeah yeah i've just uh that's kind of been only the past year and a half or so that i've had a lot of trio gigs you know with a nice attentive audience you know good like nice room that kind of nice piano that's yeah really enjoyable for me and really rewarding experience to do those kind of shows yeah cool and um who like if we were to freeze right now who who would be who'd be your um uh, most consistent bassist and drummer at this moment right now um it'd be alec safi okay. on bass and pete van nostrand on drums okay of all of all the iconic places to play in new york village vanguard smalls um you know are, is there is there a place that really stands out i mean I, I know it's hard it's hard to top village vanguard but is there is there one that's got you know you know sentimental value for you in particular Oh uh, yeah, a couple of them. Definitely the Village Vanguard. You know, I have to say that, but just to have a such an intimate room as that, 
that was amazing. Um, Mesro is also one of my favorite rooms. There's a beautiful piano and a really nice listening room. Always great audience there. Smalls. There's a new place in Brooklyn called Ornithology, which is it's kind of got like an open family style setup where you just you have someone literally right behind you and people around and that's really fun room to play i've never been there yeah yeah cool yeah um and you do some teaching is that right too yeah okay Mm -hmm. so how did that come about is that a university no that's just privately okay on one usually i would like to do more maybe class style things as well but i think that's coming up down the line for me yeah yeah you seem you strike me as someone who's got a lot of patience. You know, I mean, just naturally. Oh, I don't know. Just you. come, you just come, come across as very grounded. You know, is there? Did you do? You, um, so I'm going to make an assumption that you get that there's something that you get out of teaching. Yeah, I really enjoy it. Definitely. Yeah, yeah. So, um, what? Again, as a as a small town guy myself, I got I got to ask a question. Well, okay. So here's my questions coming from. I've seen you now solo a bunch. Seeing you in a band was a different experience. And I think it's, again, you come across as just a very generous, grounded person. And I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cite specifically um, the interplay when you played the premiere series, the interplay between you and Nick Tucker and Kenny Phelps. And you were, you were very kind, you know what I mean, you know, with your kind of praise of them, you know, at the gig and things like that. Um, what, 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 is that what does that take to be a good um, bandmate, you know, to be an artist working with other artists, you know, if someone, mm-hmm. if, like if, if, if someone came up, if a young pianist came up to you and said, I love playing by myself, but I'm really ready to go to the next level and play with others who are really good at what they do. What, what, what do you say to them? Yeah, I think that's, uh, one of the most rewarding things about being a musician is, you know, solo is, solo is kind of, it's only really pianist. I mean, that's not true, but it's not the most common form of music making to play solo, you know? It's kind of like, that's its own thing. I do enjoy it, but yeah, to uh, interact and you have to listen and be, you know, sympathetic to all the things that could be going on, That's I think that's really what makes it a great experience. Also for the listener, that, you know, makes it really intriguing. Yeah. So, yeah, I really, really enjoyed playing with Nick and Kenny, and they're just as much a part of the show as me. You know, I know it's a piano competition, but as soon as the tune starts, is we're all in it together, you yeah. know. And I don't think yeah. people realize, I mean, you've got a time-limited rehearsal with those guys too, right? Yeah. So it's, there's, there's a ton of spontaneity in those mm-hmm. sets. Is that? Yeah, I'm thankful we have a rehearsal at all, you know. I've, <laughs> yeah. I've gotten used to not having that. Right. So. right. Yeah. Um. So as we approach, you know, the next, I I mean, so again, you can tell I'm not a professional musician. So as I, I'd be, I'd be looking at this, there's a part of me to be looking at, at APA and probably be really nervous. Um, but obviously, you know, you, you put your, you've been gigging six nights a week, as you said earlier for years, um, you know, you're, you're going to be playing in some different settings. You know, you're going to be, you're going to be playing in a church, you'll be playing in a club, you'll be playing Mm -hmm. in front of, you know, 1600 people at a, in a symphony hall. Um, 
uh, what's your, again, I know I asked you earlier, kind of your, your mindset, but I might ask you to go even, even deeper. You know what I mean? What's, what's going through your mind as you, you know, as you get on the plane, you know, what's going through your mind as you approach these different, very, very different types of performances. Yeah. Um, I guess just one step at a time, you know, cross that bridge when we get there kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, um, I'm just, I'm just excited to do it. Yeah. So Thomas, what do you, what do you do? I'm, I'm interested in, is there non-musical, it might be, you know, maybe, um, you know, mental or spiritual things that, you know, inform, inform you. Maybe it's, you know, books or podcasts or films or, or anything like that, um, that, that help you either draw inspiration or draw, you know, kind of, you know, spiritual, uh, resources or any, any, anything like that. Um, what, what, um, what might, if we were to ask you in a given week, like, what are you reading? What are you listening to? What comes to mind? Um, yeah, definitely a lot of listening to just the great musicians of, of the history of this music. Uh, I think, I feel a spiritual connection with many of them. I, I think that's what's drawn me to this music and what I hope to also be able to share with people that it is very spiritual thing and that, uh, that's, I just have a lot of gratitude to be a musician and to be able to hear that kind of stuff on recordings and live. A lot of people I know, you know, there's just, uh, very, very wonderful people. I think, uh, that's just what I want to be able to keep sharing is there in terms of that spiritual connection is there a musician or composer who's not a household name who comes to mind that has been a big influence for you you know that might make you know a casual jazz fan go oh i need to i need to check him out or her out um yeah i mean peter bernstein is a huge influence he i he should be a household name, yeah. but maybe he's not to most people. Yeah, uh, just because of the popularity of jazz these days. Yeah, but um, yeah, so many um, throughout history that would definitely be household names: Coleman Hawkins, Errol Garner. Oh, um, and I'm, I'm thinking even like people, um, maybe off off the beaten path. You know what I mean? Who might might not be the might be the obvious go to? Um, yeah, I guess it depends on your. Your definition of the beaten path, but those yeah. are definitely the guys yeah. for me. Barry Harris, so many. Harold Mayburn. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Harold's come up a bunch of times the past year. By the way, my my um my only point of entry to Peter Bernstein originally it was through my love for Larry Goldings. I just oh yeah I love I love the versatility. So I'm a pop musician, you know. I do and and you know I just find um Larry both as a pianist and an organist and his ability to go across you know, so many different genres. And of course the, the, the trio that he's got with, with Peter. So, mm-hmm. yeah. um, have you, have you, um, okay. Um, when we left your premier series concert in, uh, in Indianapolis, um, a couple of people at our table, my wife and I had a couple of our friends and a couple of your compositions, our friends said, man, you could really hear that on a movie soundtrack. Is that, is that type oh. of composition something that's ever interested you? Uh, yeah, it is interesting. It is interesting to me. Um, yeah, I would love to do something like that. Okay. I actually tried to do a video game soundtrack one time, but, uh, just sort of became too large scale for me and (laughs) I realized I was not going to be able to do that. (laughs) Yeah. 
when you record, do you do you use uh, you know Pro Tools or Logic or anything like that? Do you have a, a go to um, for or not no. necessarily? Okay. Um, th- so do you draw some inspiration from classical composers? Yeah, definitely. Uh, I love classical music. That definitely also ties into my bassoon background. Yeah. I've heard a lot of various things: uh, Brahms, Tchaikovsky. Those are, Rachmaninoff, some some of my favorites. Yeah. So this is yeah. So um, romantic on modern then stands out then. Yeah. Right. So. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Um. Yeah. So what what can what can people expect to see if they come to you know one of your performances in Indianapolis or I'll, I'm even going to say you know over over the next six months in terms of your exploration as an artist you know what what can people um. Uh, what 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 are people likely to see and hear? Um, they're likely to just see a honest performance. Hopefully, uh, something inspiring. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> definitely. I mean the 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 last couple performances, and again, I'll, I'm gonna I'm gonna also encourage listeners to go check out um, both sets on. Uh, very uh, high quality video and audio on the uh, APA website and on YouTube of your premiere series shows. It's going to be great. Um, anything else come to mind, Thomas? I just, I just appreciate you making the time, uh, especially from New York in advance of um, APA discovery week. Yeah, no, I just appreciate you so much for being such a great interviewer and taking the time. Oh uh, no. Well, um, so for anybody listening to this, um, I think we still have a few tickets left for gala finals um, Saturday, April the 22nd. You can see all five finalists. It's a, it is an absolute mountaintop concert experience. Um, you get to see Thomas Linger with our four jazz finalists. And again, while we're here, um, check out um, Thomas Linger out in it. It's just this great timeless jazz record featuring eight of Thomas's compositions. Um, Man, I've, I've, I know I've got a hundred more questions, and I'm not going to take up more time. But is there is there anything else you know that that comes to mind, Thomas? This has been a great opportunity just to get a little more you know um, kind of behind your life story before people come to see you. Is there anything else you you'd, you'd want to share in advance? I think that covers it. I just want to thank anyone who's listening for uh, supporting APA and these great art supporting uh, institutions. Well, thanks. Thanks so much. You've been more than generous with your time. We can't wait to see you in Indianapolis in a week. Um, it's 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 going to be just an incredible meek week. Excuse me of of music and of uh, of inspiration. So, Thomas Linger, good luck to you. Looking forward to seeing you next week. Thank you so much. Mike. Thank you.